This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. And Happy New Year to you. This is our very first show of the year 2022. With me, of course, is the absolutely fantastic Jojo, the co-host of Ghost. Happy New Year, Jojo. <laughs> Hello, Jojo. Happy New Year, Graham. Yay. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jojo. So, how you been, Jojo? How was your holiday break, and uh, what did you do? It was, it was, it was good. I did pretty much exactly nothing. And She's like, sounds so unenthusiastic. It, it was, I mean, you know, I, I ate and did nothing, so. Well, those are the good ones, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's exactly, that's, that's exactly what I did. It's, I mean, it's just not a very interesting story to tell. I mean, but I could, you know, <laughs> I could go into depth into all the different kinds of cheese I ate, I suppose. <laughs> Oh, and, that that really is good. And and the wine and and the crackers and the and the different charcuteries of the boards. Mm. Yeah, charcuterie was uh, the order of the day, man. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know why about charcuterie. What is it about charcuterie board that whenever you're making them, you feel like you have to actually put them together so neatly. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's gonna go down anyway. Right, exactly. <laughs> they're they're always so pretty, and then you know they they get they all well one they all go in the same place anyway, and two like they <laughs> they always get torn asunder. Like by the end of it, they they look like a picked carcass. So <laughs> it's kind of like just throw the packages out there; it'll be fine. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> that is mad funny though, but it's true because I did a couple of time. So uh, Christine went to New York the night of Christmas Eve. So, right, well, so we did a little new Christmas tradition where we open <laughs> we open the gifts on, on Christmas Eve so that she can go ahead and go see the fam in New York. And so it was me and my son. We had all these days together. And, you know, there's no a lot of cooking to be done when there's quite a few, a, a bit of food in the fridge and a lot of charcuterie. <laughs> So it was in between binge watching stuff, a lot of charcuterie boards being prepared and olives, all kinds of. I hate black olives. So there's that. But this is a story for a completely different day, isn't it? <laughs> What's your stance on pickles? Uh, I'm cool with pickles. Uh, I'm, you know, there's a couple, there's a few things I don't think should ever be pickled. I can agree with that. But for the most part, for, for the most part, I'm, I'm good with pickles. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> the last show we published, the last episode we published was on the 13th of December. And then we went on this long winter hiatus, which I don't think we ever did before, did we, Jojo? I don't think so. So we decided, we understood that most of our listeners were going to take a break. And that break was also going to be a break from podcasts. We may be wrong. It's, po it's possible that you all listened to your podcast and came back looking for kicking and streaming a couple of times this week. But we thought, we are going to take a break and uh, we'll come back completely replenished and new. Isn't it, Jojo? Yes. 
I don't know about new, but we are replenished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm I'm just older. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think I don't think I'm it, new. It, I'm just older. <laughs> it, it happens. <laughs> and so today, what we decided to do is instead of getting started with the year, we're telling you, yo, this is new thing. We think what you should watch. We're not going to do that. What we're going to do is tell you there were quite a few things, as you heard when we talked about the best 20 shows of the year, there were quite a few of them that were on our watch lists that we haven't gotten to. And so what we did as binge watchers is that we went and basically watched those shows that were on the watch list, clean up the watch list so that we can start refilling again. So we would like to tell you about those, right, Jojo? That's right. And so I'm going to start with you, Jojo. Tell me, in this past holiday break, what are some of the most remarkable things you've watched? The most remarkable thing I watched was on HBO Max and is Landscapers with Olivia Coleman and David Thewlis. It is truly some of the best television I think I've ever seen. And I am thrilled that it, it crossed the pond. They've had it for a little while, but HBO Max picked it up. And it is absolutely fabulous. Of course, top-notch performances from Olivia Coleman, because, you know, that's my girl. But I have to say that David Thewlis was even better in this. I mean, there were points where he where he was he was better than Olivia Coleman and you know what a high bar that is and, and something for me to say. So it's 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 an excellent series. It it is based on a true story from what I can read. It's very very not just based but it's really not fantasized all that much, but the storytelling is a completely different style than you would typically see from something based on a true story. It's it it it's it sets out almost like a play uh mixed with an old movie. And I I loved it. I was captivated by it and uh it's that's my favorite thing that I've I've binged watched over the break. It was just amazing. So that's that's on HBO Max. How many episodes? Four episodes, and they're each less than an hour. Four episodes? Yeah, of course, a British show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not going to go any further than that. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you just tell us a bit about what this story is about and why uh, folks should, well, should watch it? So like I said, it, it is based on a true story, and it's a story of a couple in England who... They were convicted and are currently serving sentences for killing her parents and essentially stealing their life savings and the, the, the proceeds from the sale of their house. And that on itself sounds very depressing and mundane and, and horrible. <laughs> but when you get into the, the actual story and the behind the black and white of what's on paper of the story of the wife and her husband, Chris and and Susan is is the name. Susan played by Olivia Coleman, Chris played by David Thulis, is how much they are not part of this world, if you will, and how cruel the world is to them and has been to them. 
And the fact that even though they have been convicted, I should say, there is question, the, of, of murdering her parents, the, the fact that her parents were missing for 15 years and nobody ever looked for them, and the fact that the only reason this became a police case is because the husband, Chris, confided in his stepmother what had happened, and she ended up telling the police, I think is very telling <clears throat> excuse me, about the people who did lose their lives and the fact that they <laughs> it was 15 years and literally no one missed them at all or was looking for them. So I think that that, that tells you a lot about what sort of people they were and what right. sort of a, a, a relationship they had to the world and how perhaps useful they were to the world. So <laughs> it's, 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 it's an awful story, but it's also a very beautiful story. And it is above all uh, a love story between Susan and Chris and what we will do for the ones that we love, what we will give up, what we will sacrifice, what we will actually end up doing. And it's, it's, it's just lovely. It's, it's written by Olivia Coleman's husband, actually, uh, Ed Sinclair, written and produced. She produced it and, uh, it's, it's just fabulous television and some, some of the best I've seen. You know what? I don't remember exactly what I was going what I was starting to watch on HBO Max, but I did see a trailer of that. And I was like, ah, Olivia Coleman, I have to put this on my watch list and watch it. But then I was actually emptying up my watch list, so I didn't get to that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and... Do, do you think this is something that we should agree to do an episode about? I would love to hear your take on it. Absolutely. I would love to, because I, I think that it's... Uh... I don't think a lot of people have seen it, and I think that it's something that that people people need to watch because it's just it's it's fabulous and and so such a different way of telling stories than we're used to that it's just refreshing in that. Well, you on Jojo? I'm gonna watch it, <laughs> okay. and then you, we probably we probably will end up talking about it. I think you've synopsized it, of course, for the audience. And in fact, here's what I'm going to propose: after you after you listen to this show, to this particular episode, go ahead and tell us which of the shows you would like us to discuss in depth with, a, you know, as, as an episode. We could do that either as a bonus episode, since we've already, we're going to be briefly talking about those, or we could just do an episode, a normal episode. But we would like to hear from you, right? Which of these content that we've binge watched lately you would like us to do an episode about. Because here's the thing, here's the first thing I can tell you. For me, I sort of like went ahead and binge watched Hawkeye. And while I was watching Hawkeye, which is, I think, seven or six, six or seven episodes, half an hour, like, as usual, I started to get a, a different kind of appreciation for the MCU, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and also, I started to gain a very different kind of respect for the character of Clint Barton. And to a certain extent, I realized that the most human of all of the characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in the Avengers specifically, was Clint Barton, the most relatable. And I 
I actually started to dig the fact that he did not, he does not necessarily have any superpower because of course that makes him more relatable. But at the same time, I have to give a huge props to, to Jeremy Renner. Hawkeye is not, a, is not the most beloved character of, of, of the, of, of the Avengers. And it is because people always like somebody who is a badass that can do stuff. Of course, when you when you're part of a team that everybody has something extra special that they do, and you just a motherfucker who can shoot an arrow, <laughs> it, it, it's not easy. It, it's not easy. But the <laughs> thing is that thanks to this series now, it is possible to actually get to know Clint Barton a bit more. And if you notice, Clint Barton is one of those characters within the Avengers of whom a movie was never made, right? Because you have Iron Man, you've got, what's his name? Captain, Captain America, America um, Black, Widow, Black Widow, you know, Spider-Man, and, you know, all of this, including... All of those who were supporting characters to some of these characters, of course, they got their days because of, you know, like if you saw Iron Man, whatever the character that, uh, uh, what's his name, plays, uh, the other, the Iron Man sidekick. Bucky? No, no, no. Um, black dude, what's his name? Oh, crap. Rhodey. Rhodey, yeah. He's Rhodey. Rhodey, yeah. yes. And when when you saw the Hulk, like every one of these characters had their day. They had their not their series, but their movies, except for Hawkeye. And the thing, but the thing is that there's such a huge story arc behind Hawkeye. We we only have a glance of Hawkeye being the running after the the finger snap, and you know. And the, 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 what did they call it? The blip? The blip. Yeah, the blip. <laughs> yeah. After the blip, because he was the one who survived and his family disappeared, there's a lot that went on these five years with, with the Hawkeye that no one got to know except, you know, at the beginning of Avengers Endgame, you realize that he had done a couple of things. So all of this is being broken down in this series. All of this past is coming back sort of like to hunt Hawkeye. But most of all, again, you get to know a bit more of Clint Barton. And I don't think this character could be as likable if it were not played by Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner does a fantastic job with, with, with Hawkeye. And there's a young lady who plays Kate Bishop. This young lady who plays Kate Bishop, Haley Steinfeld, she is fantastic. She's, the chemistry that she has with Jeremy Renner here is absolutely beautiful. And then they managed to bring Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova, the sister of Black Widow. And uh, the way she ties into the story is absolutely fantastic. So if you ever doubted that there's a reason, there are reasons to have to get Disney+, Plus, this is your answer. Hawkeye. For me, for characters that were sort of like background characters, between Hawkeye and Loki, the series of these two characters, for me, they make everything worth it. So Hawkeye is 
a good series to watch. And again, big props to Haley Steinfeld and Jeremy Renner because they did an absolutely fantastic job. Have you watched it? I have not watched it. No, I haven't. My husband watched it. He loved it. And uh, and I, I love Jeremy Renner and I love um, Haley Steinfeld too. She was in the remake of True Grit. I think as a, as a little girl and she was just phenomenal in that. It was like one of those things where it was like, wow, this kid is going to be somebody when she grows up and she's just continued to be fabulous. So, so yeah, I haven't seen it, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I know that I'll enjoy it because, you know, I, I loved WandaVision and, and, and all the others. So it's just, it's, it's kind of weird. Cause like everything that I watch and I like, you kind of behind with, but Jeffrey and I are always in the same rhythm of group watching. It's just, it's just, every time, like I'm, I'm Google Gaga over something, and I'm like, Jojo, have you seen it? No, but my husband did. I'll call him in. That's amazing. That is amazing. But this is what makes us the fantastic couple of of hosts that we are, right? Like, yes, <laughs> we're not necessarily always watching the same thing unless we are going to talk about it. So, what was the next thing you watched, Jojo? The next thing I watched is is one that actually I think caused a little bit of, of controversy, if you will, in the in the world of nerds. Um, <laughs> was the Cowboy Bebop series on Netflix. For those who speaking of which, before you continue, yes, my friend John told me yes. that he very much enjoyed that. And really? John is one of those like John is like a Comic Con local in in the big one kind of dude. Okay, and, and so so I was surprised because you told me it was you had already told me that you know nerds around the world were like go no there's no yes you know yes, and I was expecting John. And I guess at, at this point, I'm revealing that John is a freaking nerd. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm going to make a parenthesis here. I haven't had a chance to tell you. I haven't had a chance to tell our audience. My friend John, who actually participated in, was a guest on one of our episodes, earlier episodes, when we talked about... The OA. The, the OA. Yes. John Allison, my friend has himself a podcast. Oh, now. very cool. Congratulations, John. Yes, yes. John is about eight episodes into his new podcast with a co-host, and it's called Retro Blood. I, when he told me the concept, I was like, I'm curious. I don't know if it's something that I'm going to like, but I'm curious. I'm going to tell you something, Jocelyn. It is an absolutely fabulous podcast because here's what they do. John and his co-host, what they are both into wrestling, okay, horror movies, and rock and roll, okay. And so what they do is that they pick a movie, a horror movie from a particular year. They discuss the movie, but they tell you exactly at the same time when that movie came out, what kind of wrestling event was going on at <laughs> the time, and what band was on tour or released a, a single or did something during that time? That's awesome. So it is It is one of the most magnificent conversations. That's awesome. That I've, I've ever heard. And I'm like, you guys are genius because you came up with this, with this concept and it is fabulous. It is absolutely fantastic. So here, 
I'm going to make a parenthesis to announce that you should listen to Retro Blood. Find it. Retro it's Blood. everywhere. Retro Blood is co-hosted by my friend John Allison and uh, his co-host Gary. Or something. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, dude. I don't remember your name, but... Yeah, uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic show. That's awesome. But yeah, uh, that's <laughs> so awesome. sorry that I, I made such a long, large parenthesis. No, but that's, I wanted that's to, very to, cool. Uh, I'm happy for John. That's cool. And a very, <laughs> very cool concept. And I'm happy yes, he liked yes. Cowboy Bebop. I'm happy that he liked yeah. that. Because I, so for those who aren't familiar, Cowboy Bebop was a uh, an anime series originally back in the late 90s that aired during the, oh, what was it called? Um, the tsunami, tsunami, tsunami. Sorry, Cartoon Network. Uh, late night, and it was kind of a revolution at the time. Like this was still VHS, so you know people were trading VHS tapes back and forth of the show, and uh, it was just it was it was unlike anything that anybody had really ever seen before. In the sense of anime, was kind of like. I think this was sort of the first time maybe that anime became really truly mainstream along with say Dragon Ball Z around the same time. And so Cowboy Bebop is a story that's set in the future. It's about space cowboys who are bounty hunters and it's kind of about the, the lead protagonist Spike and uh, there's, there's, you know, the different people uh, around it, but it's, it's mostly Spike's story. And so w- there's been talk for many, many, many years of there being a movie or a series made from it. At one point, there was talks with uh, Keanu Reeves to be the lead in, in a movie for it. And uh, that never got made. And it's never got made, never got made. And then so finally, Netflix picked it up and decided to make a series out of it. And it is, I think it is split pretty much 50-50 with people who either really enjoyed it or absolutely despised it. And I, well, I can respect the fact that it's, it's, it's not the animated series. It's, it's not anime. It's, it is live action. It is different. But I really appreciated what they were trying to do and what I think they did achieve. And I am disappointed that Netflix decided to cancel it and not give them uh, another chance at a season because I think with another season it really could have been fine-tuned to be something even better than than what it was but it it's it's it, you know it starred John Cho uh, Mustafa Shakir Alex Hassel Elena Satine Daniela Penelda sorry and it's it's a very very fun show to watch. It's, it's a little bit bonkers. Like I said, it's set in the future in space, but it is also kind of the old West bounty hunter theme that you have going on. And then of course there is the soundtrack, which is another thing, which that was a bit of a revolution at the time, because at least in the early nineties or the mid late nineties in America, to have a soundtrack that did not match the idea of what the show was at all was sort of a, a, a revolution. Of course, later on, there was Firefly that had the, the uh, bluegrass influence. But at the time, it was kind of new. So Cowboy Bebop is, has a total jazz soundtrack. Straight, s- strong <laughs> jazz. And the music is absolutely fabulous. And Japanese... 
uh, jazz artists. I have forgotten the name of the group, and that's pissing me off. <laughs> um, Give it a go. Go, go search it. Uh, Do a search for let it. Let me look for it. here because they they're they're so good. And uh, let's see, uh, they were able to get the they were able to get the original group to come back to the seatbelts. They're called the seatbelts. They were able to get the seatbelts to come in to do the soundtrack for the new series and uh, work with with the new series and and do that. And I, I and I'm just delighted that they were able to get all of the Japanese music, musicians back in their original roles to to play this. And uh, for the voice actors too in the original Japanese series, they were able to use them in the dubbing for Japan. So when this, this English series, English language series came out and was dubbed into Japanese, they were able to get the original Japanese actors uh, from the, the first animated series, which I think is cool. That is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> because you know, you know me, <laughs> you know me and with dubbing and voices and languages and stuff like I am, and that's it, it's also a big segue into the show that I'm going to discuss here. Awesome. So there there has been a bit of controversy with the show that I'm talking about. It's actually a movie that I'm going to talk about. And I never had an opinion. I never wanted to go on Twitter and opine, neither as kicking and streaming or as as Mr. Puceta myself. Because I like to wait and see what is it that people, because, you know, we know that kind of, you know, movie critics that get to go to previews and shit like that. You know, we, we, we regular motherfuckers who just go on and watch shit at the same time that it comes out. Right, exactly. So, so a lot of the people who have previews and stuff like that, they were going on and on and on and on about the movie being the Ricardos, which tells the story. And again, it is not a biopic. A lot of people think that just because an actor is playing some person who was famous back in the day, that's a biopic. It's not a biopic. This is a story that Aaron Sorkin wrote, and this is a movie that he directed also, about a week in the life of Lucille Ball and Daisy Arnaz when they were at the height of their sitcom, I Love Lucy. So, so it's not a biopic. It's just a set of circumstances that happen between table read of a show to the conclusion of recording, right? And so this is a fabulous movie, I have to say. But at the same time, if that makes sense to you, this was a movie that was painful for me to watch. Does that does that sound crazy? No, it doesn't sound crazy. It doesn't sound crazy at all. Because I have a but, feeling but I know what is, you're going to say. <laughs> it was it was it was it was painful for me to watch for a couple of reasons. One, the casting of. What's her name? Nicole Kidman was a perfect one. Like, 
there was a lot of quibble about about Nicole Kidman being cast as there was as, there was quite a bit of controversy. Lucille Ball. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about. And part of the controversy was because in the revival of Will and Grace, there was one episode in which f- there was this weird mix up of Deborah Messing did this absolutely fantastic job as Lucille Ball. And so because she was so good in this particular episode where they did this bit of I Love Lucy, everyone thought if there was ever a movie to be made about Lucille Ball, here's your actress, Deborah Messing. And for some reason, I think Deborah Messing kind of got tired of it I've been asked this question every time. And because she didn't know of any project going on about I Love Lucy or Lucille Ball, for that matter, she sort of like brushed it aside. Like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, you know, this was something that happened. And, you know, I don't know. Boom. Then the announcement came that Aaron Sorkin had a project and he was casting people to play Lucille Ball and Nicole Kidman was the candidate. Every, Twitter went fucking crazy, right? Yeah. Twitter went crazy, blah, 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 whatever. Deborah Messing had to, like, look, man, I I, I don't know. I didn't know about this. I would have done it, but I'm pretty sure that Nicole Kidman has done a fantastic job. Like, whatever, right? Right. So that was, you know, there was already a, a group or a set of people that were always going to be against this movie. I'm going to put your mind at ease. Nicole Kidman fucking killed it. She was great. That's not the problem. Hmm. Now, if, you, if you've listened to this, to, to this podcast, you know that I am a big fan of Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, to me, is one of the greatest things that happened <laughs> to American cinema and television. Yeah. From, you know, the West (laughs) Wing to Trial of the Chicago 7. This guy is an absolute fucking genius. The way he creates dialogue. He's a man that can write something that is dialogue heavy, not a lot of action, yet still you are on the edge of your seat. That's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Except on this one. (laughs) He fucked up. (laughs) So Aaron Sorkin did a fantastic movie with fantastic dialogue. And because it was sort of a behind the scene of things that happened during that week, and the premise is simple, right? Some radio jockey, whatever, decided to accuse Lucille Ball of being a communist mm. back in the days. In the 1950s, being called a communist in the United States could cost you every fucking thing. That was the cancel culture of the time if you will so the movie is sort of like a behind the scene of everything that went on from the moment this comment was made on radio until the day that they recorded the show for that week you know tv executives losing their minds sponsors losing their minds and lucy and desi trying to sort of like fan off all the all the fires and put put out all the fires and shit. Here's what happened. They cast one of the greatest Spanish actors of all time, 
to play this yarn as, except that he's not this yarn as, and he was terrible at playing this yarn as. Is it his fault? No. He did the acting. It was the casting that was imperfect, and I, I, I don't know how much I can say. You know how I th what I think about accents. You know my 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 reasons with linguistics and sounds and phonetics and things of that nature. So this Yarnas being played by an actor who is straight from Spain is not a problem for me. Although it was a problem for for a lot of people who discuss ethnicities and shit like that. But let's be clear about something here. This Yarnas may be the child of Cuban immigrants. However, that doesn't necessarily make him a, a person of Caribbean roots from Cuba. His roots were in fucking Spain. <laughs> the majority of Cuban Americans have at least one grandparent or great grandparent came straight from Spain. Let's, let's make this absolutely clear. And I'm talking about Cuban Americans who are as, as white as passing for white when you take off the, the last name. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So for me, it could never be a problem seeing Javier Bardem or Antonio Banderas or any Spanish actor for that matter playing Desi Arnaz, except that Javier Bardem does not look like Desi Arnaz and was not in the capacity of, of recreating the accent of Desi Arnaz in being the Ricardo. Because the problem is, a person from Spain speaking English does not sound like a person from Latin America speaking English. Does not sound like one of those. It's not the same accent. And you could not have expected Javier Bardem to master that accent. And what it ended up sounding, it was like when... Al Pacino decided that he was going to play Tony Montana or whatever. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so that was terrible. That was cringy. But add to that the fact that Javier Bardem does not look like this year and could not, there's no makeup that could make him look like this year. Javier Bardem has very harsh features. Javier Bardem. And I'm not typecasting the guy. He can play a good guy. He can play a jovial musician, whatever. I'm not typecasting them. He could, he, I'm just saying that he could not get to look like this, Yarnas. This Yarnas had some very, he had the Casanova features, the Spanish, I mean, the Latin, Latin Casanova, Latin lover features that Javier Bardem does not have. Do you know what I mean? Javier Bardem does, he has to work very hard at looking like a badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Like, help me out here. I'm, I'm trying the, to, to put it in, in, in a way that people don't, I don't want you to think that it was his nationality or whatever. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm talking about Javier Bardem is not the guy who should have been cast to play. Desi Arnaz. I, I 
was wondering and thinking that, that you and wanted to hear your take on on his cast casting of 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 Desi Arnaz in this movie because one of course I know you know the importance of accent and two because I agree with you I don't think that Javier Bardem looks anything at all like Desi Arnaz and I when you come to a couple that is so iconic I feel like they were really focusing on getting Lucy right and not worrying so much about Desi is what it seems like to me. They were like, oh, well, we got Javier Bardem, who's a great actor. And he is, as you said, he's wonderful. He's fabulous. But maybe they should have put a little more thought into the fact that he really doesn't look anything like him and he's not capturing his essence either. Because I think that, you know, I, yes. nobody has to look completely and exactly like somebody else. You can capture an essence. You can capture a way of coming into a room. You can capture mannerisms. You can capture accents without necessarily looking exactly like the person. But yes, but I, totally. I do not feel from what I saw that he did that at all. And I don't think it has anything to do, as you said, as to what country he came from or, or anything like that. He was just poorly cast in this and nothing to do yes. with his acting ability either. He just isn't nope. Desi Arnaz and, and, and can't be. And I think that that yep. is a shame and a bit disrespectful to Desi Arnaz in the sense of, you know, he was a person just as much as Lucy was. He was a part of yes. the comedy team just as much as Lucy was. Yes, Lucy did a huge amount of work. Yes, Lucy is very responsible for the success of the show, but it would not have been as successful without him. So if they had just paid as much importance to the casting of him and understood that his, his being there was just as important as Lucy would have probably made a better product, and it's a shame that they didn't. And, and to that point of... So, so, so here's the crazy thing. Not only did Lucy, Lucille Ball, make history with television, because Lucille Ball, for me, is probably the first female physical comedian on TV. Someone who, who decided that facial expression and movements and weird eye contact and these kind of things that I personally enjoy in comedians are proper of a woman, right? So for, like I can, I watch an episode of I Love Lucy and what I see is a, a female fucking Jim Carrey, if you will, <laughs> you know, because she was physical, she was, yes. but did you know, for instance, that the person who came up with the idea that maybe we should have a live audience when we're recording this show was Desi. Yes. In terms of production, Desi was the man. Yes. Desi invented shit. Desi came up with things that became part of the staple of recording yes. a sitcom in America. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's the reason so that Desi we can still watch <laughs> I Love Lucy. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, 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 I think you're right when you talk about the respect of the character, the notion that we gotta get Lucy right, and we couldn't get, we can get any fucking guy to play Desi. Yeah. And since we're looking for very famous people to be in this movie so that people can can want to watch it, then let's cast Javier Bardem. And I'm not saying that. A Spanish actor cannot do 
a Cuban accent in speaking English. Because, by the way, we discussed a movie here uh, as a podcast, The Wasp Network. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I was just thinking about it. And it was actually Javier Bardem's wife who played a very convincing Cuban character. And what did I tell you? I told you, listen to me, man. Penelope Cruz speaks a Cuban, with a Cuban accent in Spanish, that you will go fucking bad. And be like, yo. So that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not a linguist. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just someone who speaks different languages. And I'm, I'm an observer of languages and, and sounds and, and accents. My observation has always been this. People of former colonies have always been better at reproducing their former colonies' accent than vice versa, right? An Australian can play a mean Englishman, <laughs> okay? In, in, you know, in, in this case, I'm not talking about colonies, but like part of the Great Britain, you, you've seen people from Scotland playing Englishmen that Unless you hear them talking in their natural accent, you're like, I thought that guy was, was English. Yeah, David Tennant. Gerard Butler can do that for you. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> and Gerard Butler had some of the heaviest fucking Scottish accent you've ever heard. You know. So in, in, in Latin America, a Mexican actor, a Cuban actor, a Dominican actor, a Puerto Rican actor can do a mean, mean, mean Spanish accent from anywhere in Spain, from Madrid, from Catalonia, from Galicia, from anywhere. It's not very easy that you're going to find a Spanish actor that can replicate the Latin American Spanish accent. So, so this is how it is. There's something special about being from a country or from a colony. That's, I'm just saying. I was I was just going to say that you know and I think that I think that that your demandingness of accents is is excellent and I also think that it's passing over into mainstream because of <laughs> the excitement over Kate Winslet in Mayor of Easttown and how much she was able to capture a very particular area of Pennsylvania's accent. She didn't yes. just do an American accent, she did a very particular very small part of America's accent and apparently did it extremely well. And so I think that that is something that people are starting to understand that, you know what, we can't just have somebody, somebody who's supposed to be Southern come on and say y'all and it's fine or, you know, come, yeah, or, or yeah. British and be <laughs> like, oh, a cup of tea and, and it's fine or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. or so I, I think that, I think that that is great that that people are understanding that. And I, I think it's from our, because of our podcast and because of you. Yes. No, no, no. Jojo, you're absolutely right. This is part of playing a character. And for me, like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to look exactly like the person, but I must be able to close my eyes and think, yeah, that's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that guy. And it's, it's, it's a part of a respect for the person that you're character, that you're playing. I mean, if you're, if you're, especially if you're playing someone who was a real person (laughs) and, and, and was respected and and cared for and loved, uh, or, you know, even, I, I don't know. I just, I think that 
doing your very best job that you can is important. And the fact that regionality is very important in an accent and in, in, in understanding a character, because that's part of your DNA. That's part of your isotopes where you grew up. Doesn't just form, you know, the way you speak your words, although it does, but it's a very important part of who you are and what you are. So I, I think it's, it's just as important as, as anything else in, in acting. Yes, you're absolutely right. So, so this is why I found it painful to to watch, being the Ricardos, which is a great movie, which is a great story, and again, I don't want to take away anything from Nicole Kidman's fantastic depiction of Lucille Ball. I I think the controversy of whether Nicole Kidman should have played Lucille Ball should be put to rest right away. Should Javier Bardem? have played Desi Arnaz, no. And you might want to ask me, so Graham, who, who would be your pick? And maybe I don't have the, the right answers for you. But the only person that for me comes to mind, and maybe he couldn't do it or whatever, he was never asked, is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm. Yes. I, I, I think about it over and over and over again. And I keep thinking, Lin-Manuel Miranda could have gotten away with playing this Yarnas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that much. Yes. And again, this is not a question of nationality. This is not because, you know, Lin-Manuel is American of, of Puerto Rican descent. And, of course, Puerto Rico has its own accent in Spanish, as does the Dominican Republic, as does Cuba. But I do think that we, within Latin America, are obviously able to mimic our, our accents better than someone who speaks a very different kind of Spanish from Spain and who, it seems to me, has not been mixed up enough within the Latin American world to to be able to do that. So I don't know, you know, how far into Latin America Javier has gone. I don't know how long it he took to listen to Cuban Americans who speak with an accent. Because those don't sound like a, like a Dominican American or a Guatemalan American. <laughs> It's different. You think you hear a Spanish accent, and that's the problem. Not every Spanish accent is the same. Cubans have a very particular way of sounding when they speak English and have a, their Spanish-Cuban accent. Anyway, I'm going to move on from this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's... A lot of people will listen to this and say this nigga is just nitpicking, but no, it's not. No, I, because no, because he he was if 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 Nicole Kidman had done a poor job of playing Lucy, there would have been I don't know, not quite rioting in the streets, but you would have heard about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would have yeah, been the topic yeah. of conversation before anything else. And I, everything I've read has been 
very complimentary towards her and then you were very complimentary towards her. I haven't really heard anybody mention anything about our Javier Bardem, which to me was very telling. It was like, and we're just going to forget. It's just going to yeah, just yeah. Gonna, <laughs> put that you know, over there. It's just, it's just, oh, come on, man. It's just, it's just, it's bad, Jojo. It's bad. And, then it's, and, and the last thing I want to say about this is, is something that, you know, as, in, as an interpreter, I find myself telling people all the time is that while every Hispanic is a Latino, not every Latino is a Hispanic. So it's, it's important to know the difference, right? Because <laughs> that's the way it goes. Just so you know. <laughs> right. So, Jojo, what else did you watch? <laughs> so I watched... Uh... I watched a documentary that documentary series that came out earlier in the year and had been on my list for a while. And I have to say that this one really kind of um, captured my imagination and I really got into this one pretty, pretty hard. It's completely bonkers. It's called The Way Down and it is a story of a woman whose name was Gwen Shamblin. She started a weight loss program back in the 80s. And it was kind of your typical weight loss program. It was portion control, uh, only eat when you're hungry. Uh, it was nothing too crazy or, or faddish about it at all. It was it was okay. The only thing about it that was different was that she involved religion in it. So instead of, you know, like they would say, some of the things would say, oh, if you're hungry, try to drink a glass of water or go for a walk. Hers would be read a Bible passage, say a prayer to God, that kind of thing. What? Yes. So Christian churches became very interested in this. They they started having her come and speak, not necessarily as 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 like a a pastor or anything like that, but like a, a class that she would come and and teach Christian women how to how to lose weight under Christ. So that part's a little a little wackadoo. No, you said this was a real story. This though. is a true story. This is a true story. This is completely true. She appeared on Oprah. Oprah, I believe she appeared on Oprah. Of course she did. She she did a, a few few series around the time she may have done been on our like um Arsenio. There was a, a few different things that she was on. I mean her her series kind of like caught on. People were like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm actually losing weight. Then the money started rolling in for her. And she ended up creating a cult called Remnant Fellowship. And it is a church group that is, they will swear they are anything but a cult, but they are a cult. They follow one person's dictate, which which was is hers. They are very much about giving their money to the church. You are very shamed if you are overweight because that becomes that became another part of the church. It's, they would take over people's lives in the sense of, you know, like your house would sort of be owned by part of the church. Like the church would have the name on the house. 
and they would they would also they also built this sort of like community of okay so we're going to have a, a hairdresser that it's it's going to be all members of this remnant fellowship church and you're only going to go to that hairdresser and if you go to a different hairdresser if you go to supercuts then we we're going to have a sit down and talk about that um you know we have a a mechanic shop for well, all members of the remnant fellowship and uh, if you take your car anywhere else, we're, we're, we're going to have to have a sit down talk about that because that's, that's not what Jesus would want. So that's not what Jesus, would that's want. not what Jesus would want. Jesus would not want that. So this is this. Okay. So you're like, okay, this, this is bonkers and crazy and everything. So it actually got to the end of the documentary and the documentary filmmaker was kind of getting to the point where they didn't think that they could release this, that they had done all of this footage and everything, but they were getting a lot of pushback from the church, threats to sue. They were getting a lot of people who would say that they were going to talk to them on camera and then something, they never knew what, would happen. And they would say, no, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you now. So the the producers were kind of like, you know, we put so much into this, we'll, we'll try to put it out. And then... Again, it, it goes completely bonkers, and there is a plane crash, and it, it's a private plane, and it has pretty much every large, every elder member, every pastor, every person of, of status in this church dies in this plane crash. And so suddenly people want to talk to the filmmaker. And they want to talk about their experience and they want to talk about what happened. And then the filmmaker is, well, should I even do this now? Is this going to seem like I'm, I'm morbid or I'm, I'm tacking yeah. onto the fact that this person has, and then everyone has died, but they yeah. did re decide to release it. And they are actually going to do a second season. So they did a first season with, with everything they had where everyone was, not everyone, but quite a few people were very, very reserved when speaking about the church and what was going on in the church. The second season, apparently people are much less reserved and uh, they are apparently going to be able to speak with some people who are involved in the church as, as higher ups now. But I, I have to say that this this is it's 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 on HBO Max. It is a very very roller coaster ride of a documentary, a kind of a cautionary tale, I would think. And I, I mean, okay, yeah, a little bit salacious, but at the same time, nothing it, nothing's made up in this. <laughs> They, they, they were able to back up every single thing that they showed, you know, like if, if, if they had someone, and I, I, I love this in a documentary, like they'll, they'll interview somebody and they'll be like, okay, so this happened to me. And then there's never any like, okay, let's make sure this actually happened to you. This documentary, they did the research. They had fact track checkers. They would have documents to back up their interviews and things like that. So they... It's a great documentary in the sense of how well uh, planned it is and how, how much they did all of their research before releasing this. I can't wait for the second season. And I, I, I just was very appreciative of how good this documentary is. And also of the fact how that something like this can be in this country and you don't know anything at all about it whatsoever. You know absolutely nothing about it. I mean, it's it's not like a, a like a hippie commune or a, or a, a a Koresh type situation or or anything like that at all. These are 
your average looking white folks wandering around who are completely brainwashed. So it's, it's very, very interesting. And, uh, I, I very much recommend it. It's, it's on HBO max and it's called the way down. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to actually watch that cause <laughs> I'm interested. Now. I, I'm interested. I'm, I'm very, very, very interested because you know me. It's, 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 I believe it's three episodes. Uh, and it's, it's it's crazy. The it it goes from just a woman who's trying to help people lose weight, and and as as she gets crazier, her hair gets higher. It's 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 wild. Man, man. Well, all right. So I'm gonna give this one a go, maybe. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because I don't know, man. Um, so, so the other show that I watched, and this was one that we talked about in passing, and and I was curious to see what the hell it was about, was The Mosquito Coast. So it, it actually made our top 20. And I have to say, Jojo, man, what a ride. What an emotional, wild-ass ride. And... All I can say is, you got to watch this. Okay. You you have to watch this because this is seven episodes of really high adrenaline, crazy fucking shit. It's heavy in dialogue. It's heavy in action. And and of plausible things. So nothing is like incredibly far-fetched or whatever, you know. The acting, absolutely fantastic. You know, I'm not a big fan of Justin Theroux, but I can recognize that he's he's actually a good actor. He's good. He does his shit, you know. But the one kid that I actually want to give props here is an actor called Scotty Tovar. He plays Chewy Padilla in this series. And... He appears originally as somebody you wouldn't think was going to be so important to the series. And eventually you're like, yo, <laughs> this dude right here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's, I'm going to leave it there. If you have Apple TV Plus, give it a go. Seven episodes, about 55 minutes to an hour each episode. But it's, it's an easy watch. So you, you are going to end up watching the entire thing. It's called Mosquito, The Mosquito Coast. Mosquito Coast. Watch it and tell us what you think. Um, do you have another one, Jojo? I, I do have a, a movie that I watched that... Uh, Go on. It was, Go on. It was on a lot of, of lists for, I believe, last year, or I should say the year before last, but it was it's one I've been meaning to watch. Uh, it is available on HBO Max, and it's called Promising Young Woman. Starring Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. And uh, it was produced by Margot Robbie, uh, directed by Emerald Fennel, uh, nominated yes. for a lot of, of Oscars. Yes. This yes. movie is almost unbelievably good. It's heartbreaking. It's hilarious. It is a scathing commentary on sexism and misogyny in America. And 
I spent a lot of time screaming at the television. <laughs> Ooh, wow. um, when that happens, ladies and gentlemen, Jojo's interesting. <laughs> it 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 is it is so good. The ending of it is a bit ridiculous, but it is also very, very good. I have to say that I, I burst into tears at the ending of it. Ugly, ugly cried. It's it's a very, very, very good movie that I feel like every woman should watch. If you have daughters, you should watch this movie. And if you're just a dude who wants to be a better dude, watch this movie. Because it really gives a portrait of what it's like to be a woman in America and what the boys club really is and what it actually feels like when you're on the other side of the boys club. And I've never really seen anything that captured that so perfectly as this movie. It's still imperfect because it's, you know, it's a movie, but it's, it's a great telling of it. And I cannot recommend it enough. Um, Promising young woman. It's on HBO max. Beautiful stuff, Jojo. Uh, this is one of those that I've been meaning to watch ever since that Oscar show. And uh, Karen Mulligan, during, right after that movie, she did, she hosted Saturday Night Live and sort of like talked about this movie a bit. And I was like, okay, I have to put this on my list and watch it. And I never got to that part, but now I will. It's It's very, very good. She is unbelievably good in it. I'm also curious of of the directing of Emerald Fennell, which at, who at the the same time was also playing Camilla Parker Bowles on the series The Crown, and was about seven months pregnant. So <laughs> there's all that. It's a powerhouse. <laughs> she's insane, man. She's 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 mad. Yeah, she 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 wrote this. She directed it, and it it she. I can only look forward to what she does in the future with with her writing and her directing. I, I want to see more of that. I know she's a fabulous actor, but I I, I want to to see more of the the other side of that. So fantastic <laughs> for me. I actually watched this movie and I thought it was just pure comedy when I went into it. And, and I think it's 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 also built as a comedy like the people involved in it will talk about it as a comedy but if it's a comedy it's one of the most serious comedies i've ever seen and i ended up liking it for a number of reasons it's called don't look up on netflix okay and this movie is weird because it has the weirdest cast in it you know it features from ariana grande to meryl streep to Leo DiCaprio and uh, and Hunger Games girl. What was her name again? Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. Yes. So so this tells you, but but here's what this movie does, while attempting to be a funny comedy, it is, it offers you a glance into the world that we live in every day, that we don't have time to look at because we are so involved in it. And when 
you see these things happening in this movie, you would think, of course, this is ridiculous. This is a movie. But then at the same time, you, st you, you step back and say, oh, shit, you know, no, this really happens in real life. And now I, can, I realize how scary it is because our self-involvement, our inability to live in the moment and pass the moment is what is reflected in this movie. The notion that we are going to pretend that nothing bad happens even when it's happening. And so we alter our reality to what, what we want it to be. And I see a lot of that on, on social media. I'm always, I've always been a big critic of the whole speak it into existence because it will happen shit. I fucking hate that. Like, no, motherfucker, no. No, I'm not going to say I have $1 million and tomorrow I'm going to wake up and have a million dollars because that's not the way it happens. Do you know what I mean? But, but this is social media culture is that, no, if you wish it hard enough and you talk about it hard enough, then it will happen. This is why everybody on social media in their bio is a CEO of some shit. They are, you know, chief financial officer of some LLC that costs them $99 to declare and produces nothing and does absolutely fucking shit. And, and that is what this movie tells you is people don't pay attention to the things that matter. And when it comes time to resolve those things that need to be resolved at the moment that it, that it needs to be resolved. Everybody has an opinion. And there are so many opinions to be had that we completely forget about the problem because we are over here debating the opinions and the problem keeps, get, keeps getting snowballing. It keeps getting bigger to the point where when it explodes, we all fucking doomed. So the premise is a, a young PhD candidate discovers a comet that is on its way towards Earth and is so much bigger than the one that wiped out the dinosaurs. The president is an absolute fucking moron, which is depicted by a Meryl Streep doing the best female Trump I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Meryl Streep was fantastic there. <laughs> Leo DiCaprio is a scientist who is sort of like the mentor to the girl, to the PhD candidate played by Jennifer Lawrence. And he, of course, even when playing a, a, a college professor, an academic, he's handsome and shit. So he's telling people, the world is going to end. Everybody's like, ooh, he's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> so they just run with that. Hot scientist says we're all going to die. Exactly. What does he do tonight? And, and Jennifer Lawrence is like, y'all motherfuckers don't see what's happening here. Oh, she got emotional. She's a woman. She got emotional. And then she's the crazy lady. And then they continue with the with the with the hot scientist fucking bullshit. There's some nigga who is to me 
is the representation. It's like a, a, a hybrid of Mark Zuckerberg in in uh, the space cowboy from Amazon. Musk. Oh, uh, Bezos. Bezos and Musk, like he's like a hybrid of all of these motherfuckers, because he represents capitalism at, at its best, right? And then you have Ariana Grande, who is a pop star that somehow everybody knows about more than the fact that there's a fucking comet coming straight at us. So, so this is in in. In an indictment on on what we do with our day to day life, and how we brush aside the important things, and we miss the opportunity every single day to do better and to be better. It is built as a comedy, and it will make you laugh. But if you're like me, you'll laugh and you'll cry too, because this little movie right here is to me one of the most important movies that you will see. It, 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 it reflects upon what social media does to us. What having, instead of having, you know, before it used to be get your head up, your, uh, up off your ass. Now it's get your head off your phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so that's, that's, that's the thing. Don't look up. It might sound like a weird little, but again, oh, compare people's doubts of even the existence of the comet coming straight to us to what it means to have a pandemic today. And that's, 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 that's right there is the reality. Is there a pandemic? Because, you know, my friend who has a friend who has a friend who has a friend says that there's no pandemic. People are dying, but they just write, they died of COVID. But do we know if they died of COVID? Do we really? Yeah. You know, (laughs) All of this bullshit, like science is doubted because people want to put their own opinion over fucking science. Watch this movie and you'll see what I'm talking about. Maybe I took it way too seriously. And you're going to watch it and like, what I see is a comedy. <laughs> but for fuck's sake, it is a very good little movie. Watch it. I'm, I'm telling you. Don't look up. Don't it's look a good up. movie to watch. And... Uh, like I said, maybe I took it way too personal. <laughs> what did you have, Jojo? Uh, that was it for me, actually. That was it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it for me, too. Um, by the way, on Britbox, I watched a series, four episodes, uh, I believe. It's called The Tower. Gemma Whelan from Game of Thrones, uh, the uh, what was it, Yara Greyjoy she played on Game of Thrones? She is uh, the star of this of this, with Jimmy Akimbola. And it is an absolutely riveting series. It's called The Tower. Y'all should watch it too. If you, had, if you have Britbox, if not, you know, just go to your Amazon account and add Britbox for another $5. It's, it's very, very, very worthy of having. Yes. Uh, yeah, BritBox yeah. is, is one of those add-ons that is worth every penny. Yes. And so uh, this is the moment where we tell you that we are on social media and you should probably find us. Johnson in on social media is exclusively on Instagram. That's it. I uh, am she, exclusive. <laughs> she is on Instagram exclusively. She is KNS 
co-host, correct, Jojo? That's me. And uh, you will find this show as Kicking and Streaming, both on Instagram, on Twitter, and also Kicking and Streaming Podcast on Facebook, YouTube, of course. If you are watching on YouTube, please do not forget to subscribe because, you know, that's what we do. Like and subscribe. Um, like and subscribe. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, you know, this is the year that you probably have listened to this show for a couple of years since we've been on, and you've always wondered, I wish there was a way I could give these guys, you know, buy these guys a coffee or give them a gift of some kind. You can do that now. If you go to our website, kickingandstreamingpodcast.com, kickingandstreamingpodcast.com, and you can just click onto, if you go to the donate page, you can click on the buy me a coffee icon or the coffee icon, which is K-O hyphen F-I coffee. So you have the option there. You can do a one-time gift, you know, whatever you think that you could give Graham and Jojo. No donation is too small, by the way. Or you can decide, you know what, I'm going to support these guys on a monthly basis and I'm going to give them $5 a month. I'm going to give them $3 a month. Whatever you decide is perfectly fine. But here's the thing. We podcast because we love it and we'll continue to do it. We've done it for the past three years without anyone's help. But of course, we'll take the help if you're willing to give it. Am I right? That is right. That is right. Yes. We'll take the help if you're willing to give it. So go on, find us, kickingandstreamingpodcast.com, buy me a coffee, or strictly to the coffee page. What else is there to say, Jojo? Mm. We're happy and excited about this new year. Yes. And uh, we are going to bring you everything, you know, the way it is. You know, we should be doing Golden Globe this year at some point uh, very soon, but Golden Globe is not going to be televised because people are mad with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and she, and they deserve it. But I, I still think that they shouldn't take it out on the on the award ceremony or whatever. But anyway, this is it, Jojo, right? Yep, I think so. So this is the time for me and for Jojo to say, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time. And uh, Happy New Year once again. Happy New Year. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.